Hello and welcome to another episode of The Narrative Labyrinth, where we discuss film, TV, literature and games with in-depth review and discussion. I'm your host Rachel and today I'm joined by only one guest, um, not a selection of guests as my script says, um, and that was really nearly a faux pas and I said the wrong thing. Nonetheless, this one guest I'm sure will make up the space for two. Uh, we are talking to Zoe, hello. Hello. Uh Today we are talking about The Morning Show, uh, which is an Apple TV uh, series. Um, and honestly, I would have had more guests on to talk about this. There's just not enough people that have watched this show that I could find who would talk about it. Um, so I've enlisted Zoe, who has, I believe, seen the show. I have indeed. Any initial thoughts on the show? That more people should have watched it. I agree. Um, I think it's quite uh, indicative of the Apple TV stuff where not a lot of people have seen it um, but it's some really high quality high class television um, and I'm sad more people have not watched it I'm bringing you some sad and upsetting news first and foremost I, want I am to a journalist I can feel what the world needs guess what America loves me I'm just here to deliver the news to America that's that's all I ever wanted to do people get their horrible news so let's start at the beginning, let's talk about the show itself. Um, it's called The Morning Show. It's on Apple TV Plus, um, and it was uh, first broadcast on the first of November, twenty nineteen. So um, it's not that old. When did you actually first watch it, Zoe? I think I watched it pretty soon after it aired. I think we just got Apple TV, uh, and it was one of the first things that they put out there. Uh, so I think I watched it quite quickly after it came on. It was one of the opening slate of shows for Apple TV, um, along with uh, nine other shows and documentaries. Um, and it started with three episode drop at the start, and then it released weekly as it progressed on from there, like most of the other Apple shows do. I know I didn't watch it all. I think I actually binged it over a couple of nights in the depths of lockdown, um, probably in January or February this year which feels like a very long time ago. Um, but I think I watched it all in, over like a, a short space of time. And I think that worked really well. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I think if you want a parallel for what this TV show kind of feels like for me, it's like watching The West Wing. It works really well. You can watch it episodically, but it does work really well when being binged. The The story is very continuous throughout it. It's not really got standalone episodes. Uh, one, one episode leads directly on to the next, which I think works really well when you're binging it. Yeah, there's definitely no monster of the week kind of episodes or, you know, problem of the week. It's all one continuous arc, one continuous story um, that interweaves across all these um, episodes and occasionally uh, that storyline might drop occasionally and come back in um, but all kind of the main cast are across all of this all of the episodes yeah absolutely speaking of cast um it's the cast is pretty impressive for for the show um i'll be honest when I first heard about it, the cast was almost the thing that put me off. Um, so kind of the the three main headliners, as it were, Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon and Steve Carell. Or Jennifer Aniston, you just think of Friends and then like the deluge of terrible kind of middle of the road rom-com stuff she seemed to do after Friends finished, none of which I was a fan of. Um, Reese Witherspoon, Again, very kind of rom-com-esque. I really am not a rom-com fan. Uh, Reese Witherspoon has never really been to my appeal just because she's very rarely stared in, 
starred in things I've enjoyed. And Steve Carell is known for being uh, a comedian, a funny man, and I hate comedies. So I will be honest, when I heard about the show, I loved the premise. I really wasn't a fan of the cast and it was one of the things that made me not bothered about watching it. I think that's really interesting what you said about Reese Witherspoon particularly because um, yeah traditionally she's done a lot of kind of rom com type stuff um, but more recently she's definitely moved away from that um, and moved far more into kind of more mature roles. She did Little Fires Everywhere, Big Little Liars, um, she was in A Wrinkling Time, The Mindy Project they're more drama in a lot of cases than than chick flick or, or rom-com so i think that's that's maybe more indicative of of you kind of growing up with her in movies when you were younger or how you yeah, saw her because i've i've not seen any of her more recent stuff just because in my mind she's always been kind of that person um and definitely watching her in this i'm now like oh maybe i should go watch some of her other stuff because she was really good uh but coming into this in my head she was very much that kind of 90s noughties actress doing lots of kind of chick flicks and rom-coms etc that i just didn't enjoy yeah, I can understand that. I have to say, looking at her uh, kind of upcoming schedule of acting, um, I may be about to eat my words. She's doing Legally Blonde 3. <laughs> she's reprising her role in Sing. Um, and she's in the Tinkerbell movie. So I may uh, be about to eat my words on that one. We'll see. Um, but definitely in the more recent years, she's done a lot more kind of miniseries, high quality television. Um, and I think that's really obvious now watching her in this, um, that she's moved into that kind of space a lot more um, as a more mature actress. Yeah. I mean, Sing, I actually really enjoyed, but you know, that was animated. So I find it much easier to enjoy um yeah and i think obviously jennifer aniston in this was probably the biggest shock for me um she's one of those that you always suspected she could act but you just never really got to see it it always felt like she was rather desperately underused and very typecast uh, everything post friends she was still very much ah jennifer aniston from friends um so it was really interesting actually to see her in this again i just wasn't sure how it was going to go um but she properly gets to show her acting chops in this and i wish we'd got to see it earlier yeah i think for me this is definitely one of the first shows i've seen her in where she's actually the first thing i see is not oh rachel from friends it is um jennifer aniston as an actress and i have to also confess i've never been particularly fond of her acting or the type of role she's done i wasn't a fan of friends um and kind of the stuff she did after that um but i really really enjoy her her character portrayal in this i think it's also important to note that reese witherspoon and jennifer aniston um had wanting to do this project for a really long time. They obviously met on the set of Friends uh, a million years ago, um, where Reese played Jennifer's younger sister. Yep. And from there, they have always wanted to do a project together. They've they've had opportunities, and it's never panned out. And this is the first uh, they both kind of agreed. They signed on, and this was this was their project to do together. Uh, they are executive producers on this project as well, which I think is really interesting. And I think you can really feel that throughout it. They definitely have a large creative input to it, and I think that works really well. Um, and obviously, lastly, uh, the kind of other big headline is Steve Carell, um, who I guess you see as a comedy actor first and foremost. Yep. And not a fan of the kind of comedy he's been in, I'm guessing? Nope. I, I don't like comedy. I just find it really cringy. And especially the kind of comedy that I've seen him do. Uh, just not my cup of tea. 
Obviously, most famously, I guess, for, for being in the American version of The Office, um, the 40 year old virgin, get smart. Yeah, none of these are these are all very uh, um, comedy. Yeah, that they're, they're, I guess, almost verging on slapstick in places comedy. He obviously did Space Force, where I think he got to do a bit more acting, although it was still a comedy. Um, you know, he's he's done quite a bit of animation. He's done Despicable Me, uh, the Minions movie. Yeah, um, see, again, I will forgive him for those because, again, I like those. So maybe I just need to start watching people and forgiving them when I see them in kids' cartoons. I really like him in web therapy, um, but I appreciate that's uh, a bit part that he comes back into and it's still got quite a comedy edge. Um, he's in The Simpsons occasionally or has been. Um, but, yeah, I, I completely get he's, again, one of these kind of comedy, feel-good movies or The Office, which obviously is the biggest juggernaut that he's he's known for. Um, so it was really interesting to, again, I think, see him really expand his his acting um, or what we would think maybe is less his comedy and more his, his uh, drama persona. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I think the three of them were really good leads. Obviously, uh, you've got other... Uh, lead characters it's quite an ensemble cast i'd say this show even though kind of witherspoon and, and anderson are the biggest draws yeah i mean some of the cast in this is fantastic i've got to say as we kind of talk about it more um although those three are the main cast for me my favorite character and person in this is Corey ellison who's played by billy crudup who i just think is amazing uh i just did a rewatch of season one getting ready for season two which is dropping this week, I think. Um, and it reminded me how much the character of Corey really is kind of the just breakout character for this. Billy Crudup is amazing as Corey Ellison. Um, and he is just this note of chaos and kind of almost Loki-esque as much as a network kind of producer executive type person can be um throughout all of it just kind of throwing things against the wall to see what sticks and it's brilliant so i think that's an interesting thing to point out in interviews with him um he said uh that he very much tried to push that chaos but he he portrayed the character as just this utmost confidence and it's not that he's got this big master plan running miles ahead he's just moving with the with the flow of the river um and he's he's catching things as they come and he's just a quick thinker He's a smart, quick thinker um, that says some really outrageous and outlandish things um, and and kind of watches it go and goes with it, uh, which I think is a really interesting way of portraying that character. I think you could watch the show and almost see him as this master manipulator that started manipulating things like, you know, puppets. Um, and I think that's quite an easy way to, to view him, um, even if that's not actually accurate. And I much prefer the idea that he's not this grand controlling master of the situation he's just rolling with it yeah I, yeah like i said for me i watch it and i just think loki um he's just there to see what happens and see if it's interesting there's a number of times where he makes a comment or he does something and you get the feeling he's doing it just because it looks like it would be fun just because it looks like it'll stir things up a bit and he enjoys that yeah i think that's uh that's a the fair assessment um so the, the we've talked a bit about some of the lead characters and, and, and the people that run it. Um, so the main kind of overarching storyline of the show is um, it's called The Morning Show, um, except Australia, where it's called something slightly different. Oh, really? So they call it Morning Wars. Oh. 
I don't think that works nearly as well, but okay. Well, they had to distinguish it from the from the Australian talk show, the morning show, which obviously had the same name. Um, so that's the slight difference. And we've seen this happen before uh, when uh, the show known as Motherland, uh, Motherland Fort Salem in America is actually just called Fort Salem uh, here in its UK audience because we already have a show called Motherland um, and our show called Motherland is, is a comedy about parents and a very different vibe. Um, so it's not uncommon that they do this, mm. that they have to change it for, for, for certain international audiences. Um, but everywhere else it was the morning show, but yeah, in Australia it was Morning Wars. Um, and I don't, I personally don't dig that title at all. Um, but I, I can see why it's called that title. I think it, um, I think that makes it far more, uh, based in conflict, which I guess the show has a lot of conflict, but I'm not sure I enjoy that connotation quite as much as the morning show. No, I think that title is quite interesting because that suggests much more of the battle between the the morning breakfast news shows. And obviously you do get some of that in the show, but it's definitely for me not the focus of it. Yeah, I'd have thought that was something quite different. Um, in, in my head, that'd be quite different. But I, I do find it quite interesting that it's different, um, different branding um, for, for your Australian audience, but I completely understand why. I was going to say, yeah, I think for me, obviously, the premise of the show is all about the people. I think it's very much a people driven show, which is, again, where I kind of draw the parallels between the West Wing feel of it for me, which is there's all this big, important stuff happening. But it's really about the people and their relationships and those kind of dynamics and character driven moments. So obviously, right at the start of episode one, you get the announcement that Mitch Kessler, which is obviously Steve Carell's character, has been fired for sexual misconduct, which is a complete kind of bomb drop way to open a show. And you're like, oh my God, where's this going? Um, And the rest of season one is very much the fallout from that and what different people kind of take from it and do with it, which I find fascinating. It's interesting that you bring this up because there was... um this is almost well i wouldn't say it's based on reality but it certainly has lots of parallels uh to to reality um where there was uh the today show um in america obviously in 2017 uh when one of the anchors was fired um for sexual misconduct and it definitely has really strong parallels between that yeah, Matt Lauer. Um, and I remember reading, I think it was Jennifer Aniston coming out and saying she remembers kind of the whole thing with Matt, La- Matt Lauer going down at the time, because obviously having been on Friends and then you know, her career after that, she'd been interviewed by Matt Lauer so many times on the show. Uh, and then she remembers kind of the story breaking and how she felt as kind of an audience member, but also somebody who had been interviewed by him kind of hearing that news and being like, oh my God, how did I not see that? How did nobody know? Um, So I find it really interesting that then that kind of parallel has been kind of drawn and kind of portrayed in the show. So officially um, it's not, um, it's more coincidence than intentional because the morning show was announced as the first TV show for Apple TV uh, earlier in November of 2017. And obviously the, the stuff with, uh, the real world stuff happened later on in that month. Um, the official kind of um, source material um, is a 2013 book called Top of the Morning Inside the Cutthroat World of Morning TV, um, which focuses uh, far more on a ratings rivalry between NBC Today and ABC's Good Morning America. Um, so that's that's technically 
more of its focus. Um, however, at that point, I can kind of understand where the Australian title comes from, because that is what it reflects, the kind of the battle between, you know, for the airwaves. Um, but I think, obviously, I read somewhere that after kind of the whole Me Too movement started to kind of get traction, et cetera, um, I think Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon, who, as you mentioned earlier, are executive producers on this, took a step back and said, well, actually, the show we're doing is about news. This is news. We can't go ahead with the show as planned. We need to go back to square one and include this in it. Yep, that's true. So I find that really interesting that one of the main uh, story overarching storylines for the entire season is this disgraced uh, male news anchor um, and his sexual misconduct. And that really is uh, quite a spine of, of the whole show, um, although there's lots of other things happening at the same time. Uh, but actually to find that was added later or made more of a deal of, you know, after it started production is really interesting. And I think a real testament to the, to the producers and the creative team behind it that they actually went back and added that in um i guess the the parallels we could use is the final season of brooklyn 99 uh where they had episodes films and they actually went and scrapped it based on the black lives matter movement and the the american police situation that's currently taking place um so i think it's great to see that tv shows are starting to reflect on themselves and how they can better represent the the world that they're in um and and our world but I think the morning show does that particularly well. Yeah. And I think there's a number of different bits they do touch on in this. Um, I think obviously the main thread very much focuses on kind of Me Too um, and the movement happening there. But there are also conversations happening about kind of race in this, mental health, um, you know, the environment. There's quite a theme low key, but it's definitely there throughout it. Um, I've got to admit, one of my favorite characters is Yanko, who's the kind of the weather guy. Um, and obviously he could almost be quite a joke. And I certainly think if you think about how we portray kind of our weather people on British news, etc., it's like, oh, now we go to Carol with the weather. It's almost kind of an afterthought at the end. Um, and I think that's very much the same on kind of American news. Um, and you can see that a little bit in in the character of Yanko for this, where they're like, oh, and now it's Yanko section. But then throughout the series, they've got different events happening and they reference the fires in kind of California, etc. Um, and you really, through that episode, kind of see how passionate Yanko is. You know, he's not just the weather guy. He's he's a meteorologist. He really cares about the environment, really wants to get people to listen to the importance of kind of what's happening in the environment and climate change and all of that. Um, and that's definitely kind of a, a smaller theme throughout. So I think they do try and cover some really important things throughout the show, even though the kind of the main focus, as you said, the kind of the spine is what's happening with Mitch and the fallout from that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So you've got the main, um, the, 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 the official uh, synopsis of the show um, it says, The morning show explores the cutthroat world of morning news and the lives of the people who help America wake up in the morning. Told through the lens of two complicated women working to navigate the minefield of high octane jobs while facing crisis in both their personal and professional lives. The Morning Show is an unapologetic, candid drama that looks at the power dynamics between women and men and the women and women in the workplace. I mean, it's a fair synopsis. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting they don't kind of highlight any of their key storylines, um, even though kind of their their marketing and their their um 
their promo stuff did feature it quite heavy. They didn't hide the fact that they were going to, um, you know, boot out uh, Steve Carell's character at the start. Um, and it was a fallout from there. What I do think is quite interesting um, is a lot of the marketing uh, leaves out kind of the mental health stuff that it touches on later. Um, and a lot of the infighting, they definitely make it more global in, I think, a lot of the marketing for it rather than on the micro level where actually some of the drama and a lot of the action takes place. Yeah, I find it really interesting, especially having just done a rewatch and looking at some of the kind of trailers again in preparation for doing this, how a lot of the trailers, etc., really portray the plot as the older woman being replaced by the younger woman, which is such a trope. Like it's such a thing. It's all about the conflict between, you know, the up and coming new woman looking to replace the queen bee kind of thing. And I really felt that come across in a lot of the trailers, but watching the show, yeah, there's some speculation about that at the start. You get very early on in episode one that they're looking to replace Alex because they feel like she's past her, you know, best by date, et cetera. And it's time to kind of put her out to field almost, uh, I think is kind of what they say. Uh, and they need to look at somebody new and interesting to replace her. And you can definitely get the feeling that had all the stuff not happened with Mitch, that would have been the storyline. But then Mitch gets found out, gets called out and they have to fire him. And Obviously, in the old kind of executive, you know, network president's mind, they can still get rid of Alex. They can just get, you know, two up and coming new people. Um, and actually, it's how Alex then takes control of that runaway train and thinks about, well, this is my opportunity to actually prove what I'm worth. And in instead of it being the the new up and coming woman replacing the old tired woman it's actually how can we get these amazing women to work together and make really good stuff happen yeah i think that's a really um interesting story that happens throughout that um jennifer anderson's character um they were obviously trying uh, to to move her on, uh, replace her with someone new to, to change it up. And they had no interest or uh, plans to change Steve Carell uh, for someone different. However, uh, with this new disgrace and scandal that goes out the window um, and Alex sees that opportunity um, to control more of the narrative and, and, and call a few more of the shots. And I think she does that quite um, uh effectively if not sporadically and chaotically uh, like announcing her new co-anchor um after being told explicitly she doesn't have the choice she announces her co-anchor as being this younger uh younger journalist um so she tries to circumvent this this situation that's happening i think almost uh unrealizing to her that this was going to happen anyway um she sees it as kind of a, a a weak moment when when Mitch is is fired. Uh, actually, it makes her position much stronger, ironically, to start with, um, and she negotiates that. And I think it's good. I personally really enjoy the fact that um, no one has all the answers. Everyone has bits of puzzles. Um, and they make decisions based on that. There's there's no plot armor happening here. No one's immune. No one's uh, got all the answers and no one makes decisions based on all those answers. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. If you try and look at all the players, everyone is very reactionary. The whole show is very reactionary. The only person who's trying to be 
proactive really is kind of Fred, who's the president of the network. And at times, Alex and a bit Mitch, you know, they're trying to think a couple of steps ahead and trying to get out there and think kind of what they should do next that will look best. And every time they do, it goes badly. The the people who it goes well for are the people who are really quick thinking on their feet and able to be reactionary, like, you know, Billy Crudup's character, Corey, like Bradley. We definitely get the feeling that Bradley Jackson copes well on her feet. Um, might not always say the right thing, but she does cope well with it. Um, whereas the people who are trying to be proactive and do things in what you might think would be the right way keep almost getting tripped up. Yeah, I would completely agree with that as well. Um, I think the other good thing about this is how, certainly for me, diverse the cast is. And that might sound really ironic when kind of the four main characters we've predominantly talked about are all really white. Um, But actually, you know, both in front of the camera and behind it, the cast on this is really diverse, I think. Um, You know, a lot of the the wider kind of news team, uh, the producers, PAs, etc., working on the show are, you know, kind of black or from kind of minority ethnicities. We do have, you know, one of the anchors is gay. It's not talked about a lot, um, but, you know, he is there. Um, obviously, I think all of the producers on the show, certainly kind of the exec producers, whatever, um, are all women bar one lonely guy (laughs) up there. Um, So I do think, you know, it's really interesting to see a kind of a big hitting show like this that has a lot of money and time invested in it, which has tried to move away and be more diverse. So interesting you say that because um, it was actually um, slated and criticised for not having a more diverse uh, kind of frontline cast um, and news anchors and having uh, kind of its POC characters more secondary mm. um, rather than, than at the forefront. Uh, but the, the rebuttal they've kind of given to that is the second season because um, it was actually commissioned um, for 20 episodes, which they split into two seasons. Uh, the second season apparently focuses a bit more on that. Um, uh, you've got an alternative uh, arrival show, um, which is uh, trying to pinch some of the uh, the POC secondary news anchors to go work for them, which is apparently a better environment, or they care more, and you know they're they're more interested in having uh, a black voice as their lead anchor. Um, so I think that's something they're going to address more in in season two. Um, but it was some people's criticism of the show. Um, I find it really interesting because for me, you definitely got that message in season one. So you've always got the other show there like they're constantly throughout trying to pinch some of the cast from the morning show to go join the other show and the reason they keep doing it and they keep talking about it is that show's too white they're never going to listen to you they're never going to promote you come to us because we do want kind of more diverse voices so I feel like the show knows what its criticism is but it's being reflective of kind of morning new shows, which are predominantly white. Um, and that's uh, played by Mindy. Um, and she's meant to have a much bigger role in season two. That kind of the, the the host and the lead of the rival show, the second ratings show, shall we say. Yeah. Uh, and obviously you've got, um, it's Daniel, isn't it? 
yeah um daniel who is kind of the the kind of other guy who when mitch leaves is almost promised the chair uh and you know he's black he's gay he's been working on the morning show for a long time you know everybody's told him he this is going to be twist which is the kind of entertainment pop news segment yes um, so yeah he's 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 kind of been been promised this and it, it doesn't deliver uh, because other chaotic things happen um i think if those chaotic things hadn't happened i actually believe that was the network's intention uh, to put him in that position i feel that was a a, a character driven and other characters uh driving driving plot and narrative to cause that to happen yeah. And you definitely kind of feel his frustration through the show. And, you know, he's definitely that lens on several occasions where you can f- feel him being frustrated and looking at that kind of front desk and being like, but it's all white. Why is it still all white? You know, this is my opportunity. I've worked really hard for this. And yet again, some white woman comes along and gets given this opportunity, having made no effort when I've been here doing the hard work. Um, and it feels realistic, but I say that as a white woman. So, you know, I can only <laughs> reflect what I've heard other people say rather than kind of give my own opinion on that. But I'm definitely interested to see where they go with that with season two. And I'd like to see kind of more kind of equality on that stage. And me too. I really hope that's a direction they move in. Um, season two, um, they actually went back and started rewriting again to reflect some of the pandemic, um, some of the Black Lives Matter movement, some of the, uh, again, the police stuff that's been happening in America. Uh, potentially the presidential election might um, come in there as well, even as just a reference. So I like the fact that they've been that reactionary again with their script, um, as they did with the first season, the Me Too movement, and then proceeding to do that with the second season. So I'm interested to see how that fits along the wider story that they're portraying. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, kind of moving on a bit. So how do you feel? Obviously, we're in a slightly different situation here in the UK. Our news broadcasting is done quite differently to that in America. Our morning news um, is, is quite different to the morning news portrayed on the morning show, um, which is meant to be a very accurate portrayal of kind of American morning television. Yep. Uh how would you describe our kind of UK based morning, morning television? I always think, um, American morning news for me feels like our Sunday morning news in the UK. It's a lot fluffier. So they might talk about some serious things, but they're not really there to actually give the news. It's a, here's someone who saved a, saved a load of dogs. Here's somebody who, you know, invested money in their local potluck and found the face of Jesus in some cheese, you know, that kind of weird fluff. It's about waking people up and giving them a happy start to their day, which we don't really do with our morning news over here. Our morning news over here is the M25 is buggered again. Um, You know, the prime minister's come out and said something that's going to affect your day. So you need to know what's happening with the pandemic in your area or schools are shut or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, In the UK, our morning news is much more factual. It's about setting you up for the day. After that, they tend to then go on to the slightly kind of fluffier, more entertainment bit. But if you think about morning news over here, it is much more about the facts. At the weekends, the, the morning news becomes much more about here's Sunday brunch. Here's some people getting together to talk about some interesting things. Here's a lady who said a load of cats. Uh, whereas obviously in America, that is much more 
just generically their morning news? Yeah. Um, so from my experience working in kind of morning television in the UK, um, I think that's quite accurate. Um, we start with quite a somber uh, news occasion, or at least some of our channels do. Um, some of our uh, television offerings have changed away from that definitely in the last couple of years, um, particularly thinking like uh, GMB, mm. uh, which is Good Morning Britain, which is very much in the style of Good Morning America, which is uh, what uh, the morning show is is not based on, but takes a lot of kind of influence from and that style of news broadcasting in America. Um, and we definitely have uh, moved towards that with, I think, GMB, certainly with our... Um, uh, hmm. our cast choices, uh, where we had the lead male anchor and the lead female anchor. Um, I'm not sure you'd ever call Pierce Morgan, uh, Britain's dad, or at least, um, mm. I want a paternity test if that's the case. Um, but we have that kind of, uh, we have, we have a little bit, but nowhere near in the same way. Um, and obviously, Good Morning um, America in places has an audience in, uh, which is far more reflective of our show Loose Women or Lorraine, both again yeah. um, on the same channel as Good Morning Britain. So our our morning news is quite different. Um, we're definitely, I think, more somber, not not just in that, but it's more, um, if you think BBC News, which is kind of our biggest breakfast rating show uh historically and probably still is um it's 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 factual news they're journalists it's factual news um we don't really get it quite in the same way that it's depicted in america um, which i don't think is a problem and i think is gives us a really interesting observation into that space um and again as someone who has worked in uh morning television on uh i did some time on several morning shows some more newsy some more entertainment based um and for me the way they portray the studio space the gallery the atmosphere the way it all works is really accurate and really well done um definitely watching uh kind of the producers and and the, and the vt artists the directors and the exec producers in the control room space definitely felt very realistic that was that really is like being back in the gallery at um kind of new shows in the UK and how we do and that fast paced nature of news um and the um whimsical um nature of some of the news broadcasters shall we say yeah and what I find really interesting so my degrees actually in American studies and I did quite a bit of study around kind of American media uh, and how that's all done is trying to I feel they did a really good reflection of kind of a show going out. Obviously in America, they have that weird thing where something might premiere kind of on the West coast, but it'll premiere on the East coast at a different time. Um, and you know, it might go live on the East coast, but actually on the West coast, there's a couple of hours delay. So they've got a chance to edit things. Um, and actually in America, certainly they have to deal with really, really different kind of, um, cultural demographics with the different audiences, depending on kind of which area of America it's being broadcast in. Um, so over here, the BBC is the BBC. And yes, after the core bit of BBC news programming, there might be a little bit that's tailored for the Northeast versus the Northwest, et cetera, done by your local, you know, more regional team. But the core bit is still the core bit. Um, in America, that's not done in the same way. Um, they really have to think about kind of the different 
audiences that are going to be picking this up and what time they're going to be picking it up. And they might have a chance to do different edits between the coasts and all that kind of stuff. Um, And I felt they kind of represented that quite well in this. You definitely got that feel a couple of times of like, oh God, this has gone out live in New York, um, but let's cut it now because we can do something different before it airs, you know, in California or whatever. Yeah. And I think that's something that they, again, get really well. Again, in this country, we don't have... um different time zones we're all under one time zone our news is our news and it goes out and then we have as you say regional based uh news uh while in america the kind of the more regional stuff is based on channels rather than on their main national channels um so they they separate stuff differently and you're right they have different time zones and it does different things um and that is reflected quite well within the morning show um uh, obviously the morning show is based in new york it films in new york because that's the east coast and that's that's where wakes up first and then it it when they go to um california they do um they decide to move the whole team to california to do a live broadcast um about some forest fires uh, again reflecting kind of real life situations um there's kind of a lot of logistical stuff that comes in with that as well and i think it's handled really well and handled as it would have to be handled for a real news station and and you would have to take those things into consideration so i really appreciate the the realness and the realism they put in this um and how you can definitely feel they spent the the budget wisely and they put the research into making it feel like morning television uh reese witherspoon um went to some tapings and some live broadcasts of american morning shows she went and studied she went and spoke to people she embedded herself in that space to better understand what she was going in to do um which i think is a, a really comes across that she understands um and the production itself understands how morning news works yeah and I mean, you touched on there, uh, but I think another really interesting thing about the show is how much it cost. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe I just grew up with too much British TV, but I think when I read the figures for, for how much they spent on making the show, I was like, good God, how much? Uh, 300 million. Just a for- lot. It just feels like a lot. That's 300 million over two seasons. That's 20 episodes for 300 million. Um, It is reported that um, Anderson and Weatherspoon uh, got paid uh, 4 million per episode, 2 million per episode. I see. I remember reading that because I think there was quite a lot of uproar about how much they got paid. Um, And I think it was Reese Witherspoon who kind of pushed back on that saying, but you wouldn't be shouting about men making that much which I thought was interesting. Yep, I think that's... Um, so there's there's different reporting figures. Some say they got paid uh, upwards of a million, some saying upwards of two million. But you have to remember that also the executive producers, they're not just the actors. Um, so they are taking on that dual role. They've been working for a long time on the show. Um, Carell uh, was reported only taking, I say only taking um, 750,000, uh, but he has a, a much smaller role. He's He's not the lead anchor, um, although a very emotional role and a very pivotal role to the show, um, that obviously doesn't, you know, reflect in uh, in how much you get paid. And I, I think it's really nice to see that, uh, have it reported that the women are earning more than men. That is quite rare in Hollywood, um, even in TV. And I think it's, it's, it's nice to see here. But it is mentioned in the show that she is paid less than him. Uh, their characters, she, she's lower paid than the Mitch. Mm. which I think is um, interesting. Yeah. And I just think it, it's an interesting conversation. I agree with you. It, it's nice. Like I'm not going to complain at 
women making that much when we're not having that conversation about you know how many men are making that um i think anybody making that is slightly ridiculous but hey ho capitalism that's where we're at um and you know once we've got everybody getting equal pay, then let's have the conversation about how fair it is to have anybody making such excessive amounts. Um, but until we've got to the point where, you know, people, regardless of their kind of color or gender, are making the same, then, you know, let's pick your battles. I'd agree with that. Uh, moving on kind of to, to the reception of the show, what people thought of it when it came out. Um, well, not a lot of people thought a lot because no one watched it. Um is is possibly fair to say um so uh some press agencies were given the first three episodes to watch uh, prior to launch so they could write reviews um and there's a very very scant uh, smattering of youtube reviews but i think i found maybe four youtube reviews um and some kind of interviews uh, with the cast so there's not a huge amount out there which i think is quite interesting um what i also think is really interesting is there's two very set veins that people went in on this um some newspapers i'm thinking particularly the guardian in the uk um thought it was really good um but then others were like this is completely awful a complete waste don't bother um and i think it was just a really interesting split no one was middle of the road people either really liked it or they really didn't like it um, but The Guardian particularly, uh, their headline is, TV so excellent, it will make you totally resent friends. Yeah, I read that piece and it was, I agree with it. It was basically, who knew Jennifer Aniston could act so well? Like, like let's resent friends because obviously friends was the thing holding her back. She got completely time typecast as Rachel and therefore everybody for the next decade or so just kept hiring her to do something like Rachel. Um, and this is the first thing where we get to see her not do that. Uh, and actually we should all be resenting friends for putting her in that pitch in a hole because, oh my God, she's great. Uh, but interestingly, IndieWire, so another uh, kind of more focused entertainment review site said the morning show, Jennifer Anderson can't save Apple's rudderless, dull de de debut drama. And I find it really interesting that they call it dull because I definitely would not call it dull. Um, it's quite tense in places. It's really brutal in places. Like, you know, we've done kind of content warming, warning, um, you know, this does cover mental health. Um, there are some bits later on in the series which are really, really upsetting. Um, and if you haven't watched the show, you know, go in with a content warning that, you know, suicide, etc., does come up uh, later in the show. Um, but I feel it's handled really, ugh, I'm not sure if well's the right word when talking about suicide on TV, but, you know, it doesn't shy away from it. It doesn't glorify it. It just, it is what it is. And you get to see how everybody around it is just completely flawed by it and really hit by it. Um, it's really upsetting. It's really brutal. Um, and I feel it's quite honest. Um, so yeah, I find dull as a descriptor interesting. What I would say, which I find really interesting, and I think upon reflection, one of the reasons I really like it is we've definitely, and I don't know whether it's because of the pandemic or not to do with that at all, it's just that's how it's happened timing-wise. Mm -hmm. A lot of TV and film at the moment has been about massive global events. It's war, it's terrorism, it's, you know, 
the universe getting invaded or even on a more local level, it's, you know, drugs, it's gang violence. It It's really brutal. A lot of it's just really, really brutal. It certainly feels like. Um, and this, although it is covering kind of mm, the, the Me Too movement and it's, it's a show about the news. So there are, there is some things in there that are kind of brutal. The show itself isn't. The show itself, as I said at the start, is about the interplay between these people, these characters. It is completely a character driven piece. And I found that really refreshing to watch something where I'm not sitting there thinking, oh my God, what next? Who's going to get shot next? Who's going to get murdered next? You know, what terrible thing is going to happen? Yes, there are terrible things, but only in the same way as there is in real life. There's also good things and happy things and, you know, nice moments. Um, And it's just about watching these people be people. Yeah, I can completely agree with that. Um, Looking at kind of uh, the the, the director and cast actually spoke out um, in in January after it was released, um, basically saying that, that, you know, it was a new show. Uh, people didn't really know what to expect. There was a lot of expectations on it, um, but they're actually really happy. People have a response to the show and are, and a powerful response in, in either way. So, so they're quite happy for people to have this big yay or big nay, uh, to the show. That's fair. Like that's a good response. And I think that is true. I mean, the independent newspaper gave it a two-star review, um, saying it was fraught with anxiety about what it was and who it was for. Um, and actually, I think a lot of problems the show faced in that respect is the fact that they gave three episodes rather than 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 more to people to review. Um, and the first three episodes don't they're not a set. It isn't like watching, uh, you can't binge those three episodes particularly well as, as one story. Um, so I think it is really only as you start to get to episode four and five, that stuff starts to really snowball into place. Um, the third episode starts with, um, Bradley's first day, uh, as a, as an anchor. So a lot happens in that space, but it hasn't, the ramifications haven't started to ripple out yet. So I think it's quite a hard point for people to review. Yeah, I'd find that interesting because I would say for episode three, you know, for Bradley's first day, of all of it, with my aforementioned I hate cringy TV, that is the most cringy episode. Not in a bad way, just, you know, stuff happens. Bradley's trying to react. She has not prepared for this. It's quite tense. It's quite fraught. You you really feel for Bradley that she's been dropped in this at the deep end. She's completely not prepared. She's gone from working on a small local news outlet to being the, you know, one of the lead anchors on the biggest thing in kind of morning news. It's, you know, completely nationwide. Uh, it's a lot. Um, I think it's really you know, from episode four, where it really hits the ground running, where you start to really get the interplay between Bradley and Alex um, and the rest of the kind of the crew really start to come into their own. You start hearing a lot more about kind of Mia and Hannah and, you know, Yanko, and they all really become better and bigger people from episode four onwards, as it becomes more of an ensemble thing rather than, oh my God, Mitch has 
really dropped the ball now and Alex is scrambling around in mad panic and Bradley's been dragged into this car crash um, from episode four, it definitely becomes more about the group. I would agree with that. Um, interestingly, the New York Times review um, didn't didn't think the Me Too storyline gelled within the main story very well. They thought it stood out and it didn't fit very well, <laughs> um, which I personally uh, disagree with. I don't think it, I think it does fit very well. Um, but I do notice that um, these uh, all these negative reviews are generally written by uh, male uh, reviewers. And I think those first three episodes are quite um, female centric or some of the stuff they discuss and move through is possibly more relatable to to female audiences. I think I wish I'd seen more people talk about it once season one ended because, yeah, I saw a lot of people talking about it at kind of the press point of episode three. Um, but very few people talked about it once season one ended. Um, I've started to see quite a bit more hype now as they're getting ready for season two. Um, and I'm really hoping that with season two, this starts to get picked up and known more. Yeah, well, it's only had a two season run. So uh, it's quite possible that it will end at the end of the second season. Um, there's no talk yet on whether it's going to have a season three or not, um, which is an interesting stake to be in. And they could end it after two seasons. I think 20 episodes, a short, good quality TV series run is really, really effective. Um, and I wouldn't be angry at that. I'd be quite happy with with a well-crafted story set to last that length of time. Um, I would be annoyed if it ended on a cliffhanger and then didn't come back. It is my pet peeve for television um, where they're very hopeful for another season and then they never get it. Um, but kind of, uh, so the, so the, the journalistic um, people were not too sure. Um, I said we had some really great reviews, some some quite negative reviews, and there was no, no kind of middle ground on them. Um, in terms of kind of... Uh, average public online. Um, I've definitely seen some not very kind uh, YouTube analyses done by people where, where again, I'm not, I'm not sure people necessarily got it or they reviewed it at, at an early point rather than at the end as a series respective. Yeah. And I think so it's interesting because at the start of this, I made the kind of parallel analogy that the thing it feels most like for me is the West Wing. I take that back because it's not the West Wing. What it is, is Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, which is the show that um, obviously got done after the West Wing. It had some of the cast from the West Wing. It also had the likes of kind of Matt Perry in it. And it was very much kind of a take on Saturday Night Live. Um, it only got a season, which... Is a massive, massive shame. Um, you know, if you like the morning show and you haven't seen Studio Sixty, go watch it because I recommend it. Um, but Which the also reason has, um, Friends alumni in it, it does because Matthew Perry. Um, <laughs> but I think the reason it didn't get a second season is people didn't get it at the time. Everybody went in expecting another West Wing, um, and obviously it wasn't. It was a very different show with a very different feel. Um, and a lot of people accused it of being too clever. Um, people just didn't find it entertaining. They were like, oh, you're making us think. You're making us really try and probe things because, you know, that's what Aaron Sorkin does a bit. Um, and I think in some ways with a lot of the critiques I've seen of the morning show, um, it feels kind of the same 
in that space of people like, we're not really sure from this. We went in and we're not sure whether we're meant to be enjoying it or whether we're meant to be thinking about it. Um, and I think that's where those criticisms of it needs to decide what it wants to be come from. I don't think it does. I think it does know what it needs to be. I just think it's perhaps not pitching its trailers and that in the right way to get people to understand what it is in the same way that Studio 60 didn't. Yeah, I also think uh, the reason it possibly didn't do so well is they've got some really good, uh, again, comedy actors or what we are known as comedy actors. If you saw Steve Carell and Jennifer Anderson headlining a show, um, you would you would you'd be forgiven for assuming that would be a comedy. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, looking at, uh, again, kind of the, the Rotten Tomato reviews and the IMDb reviews, it's a lot of people going, oh, I thought this was going to be funnier. This was really dull. Or I thought this would be... Uh, more engaging um lots of people complaining it's about a television show and that's old no one watches television anymore um which i feel kind of was like you know literally says it on the tin what that was going to be about but also the people watching it to critique it for being about a television is people watching television so that seems slightly weird uh yeah (laughs) i guess that's true um but yeah people complaining that it's uh a grade stars um not not acting or not doing what they expected them to do um and i think yeah that it's it's taking well-known comedy or chick flick or rom-com actors and and using them in a different way and people have struggled a bit with that which is a shame because i think they would they work really well in these roles which is exactly the same critique as studio 60 got you know matthew perry wasn't doing traditional matthew perry stuff sarah paulson or you know all the all the people in it were fantastic people but they were doing something different to what people expected uh the show was much more serious than you know the audience thought it would be given the kind of blurb it had you know coming out uh and just people were like what am i meant to be getting from this and i i think this is having exactly the same problem i think if it can just get its audience to understand that this is a serious take this isn't a comedy piece this is a drama um hopefully people would go into it with it better kind of mindset yeah so so it's rotten tomatoes um aggregator has given it a 61% approval rating, um, which is an average of 5.78 out of 10. So it's quite low, quite a low rated show kind of comparatively. Um, Not really what you'd think. Um, But then you look at kind of awards and nominations and it's been nominated for loads of awards um, and won a a good handful. Uh, So you've got Best Supporting Actor in a Drama Series from Critics' Choice. Uh, you've got Newport Beach Film Festival um, nominated it as well for um, Artist of Distinction and uh, Breakout Honoree. Uh, you've then got Online Film and Television Association for Supporting Actor again. There was a lot of love for for the Supporting Actor group. Um, and then again, the Emmys for Outstanding Supporting Actor in Drama Series. Um, uh, refilm uh, the 100 Popular TV Shows of the Year. Um, and the Screen Actors Guild was outstanding performance for a female actor in a drama series, which went to Jennifer Anderson. Um, but it was nominated for, lo- for for kind of loads. It was nominated for loads of Emmys. Um, both uh, Steve Carell and Jennifer Aniston nominated for outstanding lead in a drama series. Uh, directing was nominated. Um, but lots of lots of the award nominations were for acting or supporter acting, um, supporting actor in drama or in television. 
um, the Golden Globes. It was nominated for uh, Best Television Series in the Drama category, and it was also nominated for Best Actress in the Television Series Drama for Jennifer Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. So nominations are there. And, you know, the critical joy for it is there. Yeah. I think it just, yeah, it just needs to get people to understand what it is and then hopefully it'll get more people to watch it. Um, And I think, obviously, you mentioned earlier that they are doing a lot of reshoots for season two. I find it really interesting. I just remembered I read somewhere. um, Obviously, originally, Steve Carell's character was only meant to be in season one um, and they were going to kind of swap him out for a different high profile male lead for season two but obviously if anyone's seen the trailer for season two it does look like kind of steve Carell's character is definitely still in there um so i think this hopefully goes back to kind of reese witherspoon's point that she said you know we're trying to take the feedback and learn from it and do better um so hopefully like i said season two will land better with people i'm really interested to see what they do with it I think the other uh, problem it suffers with is the fact it's on a streaming service that not that many people have, and there is zero chance of it being syndicated to any other service. Um, I spoke on uh, another podcast um, not too long ago about uh, For All Mankind. Um, You spoke on that same podcast. What am I on about? We both spoke on a podcast um, (laughs) about For All Mankind, which is another Apple TV show, um, extremely high quality uh, drama series, um, alternate history, brilliant. Go listen to that podcast and also go watch that show. Um, But again, it's, it's, I think we, we called that the greatest science fiction show you've never watched. And I think, um, I think the morning show suffers a bit into that category as well. If this was on Netflix, A, they would not have spent the same amount of money on it and it probably would not be quite to the same standard. Um, But would more people have seen it? Yes. And I think that's it. I think, you know, very few people have spent the money on Apple TV and I can completely get it because, you know, there's just so many streaming services now. Um, You can't get them all. certainly not legally unless you've got a lot of money um and you've got to kind of pick and choose where you spend your money um for me apple's come out with some fantastic tv shows um and it's been really worth the investment because of things like the morning show and for all mankind uh and some of the other shows they've put out there but they're are less of them, you know, comparatively, if you look at the number of shows Apple's put out in the last year compared to, I don't know, Netflix, there's just more stuff available on Netflix. So I can understand people going, well, that's where I'm going to put my money because there's more choice. Um, And Apple just, I don't know whether they were too late to the party in that case, because everybody had already spent their money on Netflix and Prime, et cetera. they are coming out with fantastic stuff and it may get more people picking up the service as it goes along and keeps adding quality content if it can keep investing the time and money like it has been. But that's a big kind of risky decision on their part, whether that will pay off or not. But, you know, it is a shame for shows like this that probably don't get the recognition and the fan base they deserve because there just aren't that many people with an Apple Plus subscription. 
Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think it would be, I think it'd be a bigger show on another channel, but I don't think another channel would uh, spend the same amount of budget and and dedication to it. Um, I very much feel the Apple TV shows, a lot of them have been kind of passion projects. Well, they have been, haven't they? They've been like, what do you want to make? What's the one thing you always wanted to make? All right, go away and make it and then come back, Um, which is a a massive thing to give to kind of creatives, um, but also quite daunting uh, when it's not necessarily got the biggest audience base. Um, and as you say, Apple TV has got some fantastic shows on it. Um, you think you've got C, uh, which is also about to do its second season. Uh, you've got For All Mankind, which uh, I love, which has done two seasons and is getting ready for its third. Um, uh, you've had some great kids stuff on there, like Stillwater. Um, and is it The Wolf Walker? Yeah, Wolfwalker. I mean, Stillwater, honestly. Yes, it's completely for kids. But if you ever are feeling really stressed and you just need kind of five, 10 minutes to chill out, please watch Stillwater because it is the purest, most lovely thing ever. And it's just really good at just helping you kind of center. It's all kind of very mindfulness, et cetera, with a big giant panda and proverbs, you know, kind of ancient stories told to make things relevant and it's just really pure and lovely i like that you've just added in a cell for a different television show yeah why not while i'm here so i think we're coming to an end now do you have any final words um on the morning show anything you think we should should have covered that we haven't currently mentioned I just, the cast, the cast in this is really amazing. Like we've only mentioned a few people, but there is not a single character in this show who I don't think is done justice. Like you've got Jack Davenport in there as Alex's poor beleaguered kind of husband who she secretly separated from. Um, Some of the kind of people helping to run the show are amazing um you've got mia jordan in there uh, mia's amazing like she's just great everybody is fantastic in this and it everyone's completely giving it their all um and i just really love it especially the random uh, british girl whose name completely goes out of my head uh, but i just kind of watch oh, her and go, uh, uh, claire Yes, Claire. It's like, ah, oh, sweetheart. Like, I completely feel you. Like, you are and how I would be. She's a really accurate portrayal of someone who's at the very start. You know, she's worked very hard, probably done some horrible uh, free internships uh, to get this this PA position, this really kind of bottom of the ladder TV position. Um, and her, she's she's not going to give it up. She's going to fight for it, but she fights for it in a in a respectable. Um, smart way um uh that doesn't jeopardize her kind of personal life or that that's her balance isn't it between personal life and professional life i mean i disagree that she probably had to do horrible bottom of the wrong ladders to get this opportunity because it's definitely hinted in this that daddy's got money and could buy the network three times over so i don't really feel it's like actually a family favor like her dad's talked to the head of the network and she's got this gig to try her out just to shut daddy up but either way she's definitely trying to forge her own path and i respect that love oh so i saw it the other way i think she has done those free internships but she's she's got the privilege of money to be able to take those free internships where lots of other people would not be able to take those free internships because they're unable to because they need to earn money um Mm. but yeah i completely agree that she's she's a character trying to forge her own way um and i think uh i think i said it just then it's the the split between um 
personal life and professional life that these these characters are trying to work out and that's the whole dilemma that all, all of them have um and obviously mitch uh, could not work out where personal and professional ended um and that caused him to be a problem and is kind of this is the fallout from from that boundaries that he couldn't find uh you you've got alex levy so jennifer aniston uh not fight uh trying to find her boundaries um and and getting it wrong and and dedicating too much to her work and not enough to her family and the and the fallout from that is her daughter doesn't really like her um and her husband as you said it leaves her uh, over the course of the show um but it's very much portrayed from the what are the optics on this how does it look that you're getting divorced um, and her, her PA team come right out and say, and say, it looks like you're getting divorced because you knew about what Mitch was doing and you support him. Well, so, no, it, worse than that. It looks like you're getting divorced now because actually you were one of the people that Mitch was screwing around with and your husband's found out now that it's all gone public and he's leaving you. That's also true, but it's just the way they frame her, her personal world is, is completely still affected by her work and there's no escape from that. And that balance is, is completely not there. Uh, you've got Reese Witherspoon character who desperately wants to put balance in and tries and struggles with that and struggles with being picked from obscurity, um, on, on kind of local, local news, um, and pushed into this position. Um, which I, again, I feel was something that was not really highlighted in any promotional material. It felt a lot like, uh, Reese Witherspoon was portrayed in the promotional stuff as the up and coming, ready to take, take the place. Um, and that actually wasn't the case. You know, she didn't plan for this. She was completely, uh, thrown sideways by everybody by getting this lead anchor job that she didn't ask for. She didn't want, she didn't push for. Um, but then she kind of got swept along with it. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think obviously takeaways for season two, I want to kind of see where it's going because I'm really enjoying it. I'd love to see more with kind of the rival network, Audra as a character. We haven't seen much of her. She kind of keeps showing up as kind of almost the shady trying to steal the staff of the morning show. Um, but I find what she's saying is fascinating. You know, it is that network's really white. We're not come be part of us. I'd really like to see more of kind of that show and what they're doing there because I think it'd be really interesting. Um, she's very much the grass is greener character. She's she's portraying yeah. something better to 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 some of the some of the the lead anchors or the 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 secondary anchors and trying to prove to them that they should come and do more and come and do better. Um, with someone that's better and they are hesitant because they're not sure the grass is greener. Um, I think I don't expect those characters to all manage to do that in the second season. I fully expect that we're going to get those characters, um, switching channels. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to see whichever direction the, the cast, the, the, the showrunners take it in. I, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see. And I'm mainly here to see, does Corey Ellison turn out to be the bad guy or actually is he just a child of loki sowing chaos where he goes and i definitely hope it's the second but i'm looking forward to seeing whichever way it goes you're waiting to see if he if he turns around and starts twiddling a mustache aren't you i to am see yes it, yeah yeah aha, it was me all along um no i think i'm interested to see where a lot of this goes um 
There's been um, some some cast announcements for the next season. Juliana Margulis is joining in season two. I've heard she's going to be Bradley's kind of mentor and I'm totally here for that because I think she's great. I would agree with that, but I think uh, a lot of people were hoping for kind of some announcements for some Friends characters to appear on this. I think people mm. were hoping for a Matt LeBlanc or... No, like where would they fit? They they just would not fit within the show. It doesn't that would matter. Make it... They're all in Friends, therefore they must all walk as a pack. Never alone. Um, The only one I'd love to see in it is, uh, because I think they're a fantastic writer and actress, is Lisa Kudrow. Uh, I think she's vastly underrated. Um, Obviously, she does a lot more comedy. Um, So I think that's unlikely, but I'd love to see her in this somewhere. I'm quite happy to see none of the Friends lot, because I think that would just make it a different show. So actually now, any last comments about the show? Watch it. Everybody, if you haven't watched it, just go watch it. Okay. Uh, my final comment on the show is that it's um, far more complex than I think it was uh, given credit for being. Um, and it's just a really well-produced piece of television uh, that doesn't have super intense external high stakes. Um, and it's a great bit of television drama um, that is definitely deserving in a lot more recognition than it currently gets. Um, and yeah, more people should definitely watch it that's it that's um, another episode done thank you very much again to my guest Zoe Uh, do you have any parting words or anything you'd like to shamelessly plug no uh, other than the only thing we actually didn't mention was the theme tune which I've now got stuck in my head but I'll leave everybody to go find that on their own okay so your parting comment and your shameless plug is listen to the theme tune of the show yes okay you've been listening to the narrative labyrinth my name's been Rachel thank you and goodbye goodbye